Good morning. I want to thank you for tuning in to Driven to the Cross radio broadcast as part of, of Christ Covenant Church here in McAllen, Texas. I'm Dr. Alfred Fisher, and I'm so blessed to have the opportunity to be able to share this time with you. I realize that time is a gift. None of us are promised tomorrow, and each moment that we have is one given to us by Almighty God. Let us open with prayer. Our Father in heaven, Father, I come to you this day thanking you first and foremost for the gift of salvation. I thank you, Father, that you have provided a way for us to be reconciled to you. I thank you that you, O oh God, are sovereign and in control. I thank you that you call each of us by name, that you know each of us, O oh God, and you know us intimately. While we were yet in our mother's wombs, you knit us together. And Father, I thank you that we have the opportunity to come and pray for those who are in need, those who are hurting, those who are hungry and sick. Lord, we lift up our nation. We lift up the people of our towns, of our cities, of our counties, states, and nation, that you would look upon us and have mercy, O oh God, that you would shine your face upon us, that we would once again be one nation under God. We pray for our leaders, Lord, that they would lay aside their political differences and focus on you, and that they would do what is right in your eyes and not in the eyes of their own carnal flesh. Lord, help us as people to lift up your standard, to hold your banner high, to not shy away from the call of Christ. Would you just fortify our hearts, our minds, and our souls that we would be that living, breathing testimony, fulfilling that great commission with every action, knowing that we are doing so in obedience. Allow our hands to be placed to the plow. May we never look back. We thank you, Lord, that you have made straight the way, that you are a light unto our feet, that you illuminate our path. Help us to stay on that straight and narrow path, Lord. We thank you for these things. I ask that you bless this message. Bless all those who hear it. Father, bless those who receive it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we are continuing in our series on the session, and we are at the portion where we are discussing different parts of being seated at the right hand. We've covered a lot of ground, my friends. But right now, one of the things that we are going to be covering is the aspect of a teacher. And one of the most famous sermons in the Bible is the Sermon on the Mount. And while it's not very long, the setting and the words that are given are profound. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of St. Matthew in chapter 5. Because there's some posture here that I want us to examine that we would begin to see the nature of Christ 
as a teacher. Look at what it says, starting in verse 1. It says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came up to him. Now, when he was set, that means that he was in position, but he was also sitting down, as was the custom of the day. Rather than having the, the preacher standing up, proclaiming everything, and the congregation sitting, the teacher would often sit, and the people would gather around. And that's what's taking place here. He went up unto the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. One of the things I want you to notice before I go on, we're getting into what's commonly called the Beatitudes. And so often, my friends, we separate these. But I want to show you something with the Beatitudes that I think might help us to understand. You see, when a, a person is teaching and preaching the Word of God. It's not meant to be full of antidotes or fun jokes. It's not meant to be entertaining. While we do often throw in a joke here or there to try and lighten a mood or to get your attention, it is not to be done as the soul example in your message. And so it is with the witness of a person. When we witness, it's not about us. It's not about making a funny joke. It's not about telling some funny story. It's not about entertaining the individual. We must not trivialize the things of God. We must not trivialize the Word of God. When a soul is hurting, when a soul is coming to a place where they are knowing the redeeming grace of Jesus Christ, that person is generally broken. And if they are genuinely broken, great healing can take place. And I'm going to read the Beatitudes, and then I'm going to come back and try and explain them to you in the manner in which I have come to understand them. And I'm hoping that they will make sense because we oftentimes try and individualize them. We often try and put them each into their own compartment rather than seeing them as a continuing account. So listen as I read. Starting at verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, 
and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now let's, let's go back. You see, so often we like to throw out, well, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, let's understand this. It doesn't, it's not talking about a financial destitution. It's not talking about being destitute physically. This is speaking about being humbled greatly. Blessed are the poor in spirit. If you were to look up in the Greek, you could look at it as they've hit rock bottom. They've hit such a place that they have nothing. They're bankrupt. Only thing they can do is look up. That's broken. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are broken and have nothing, who realize their own depravity. Now listen, it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why? Why would it say for theirs is the kingdom of heaven? It's because when they realize that they have nothing but Christ, when they have been humbled so much so that they are at that low point in their life, that they are destitute, that they are humbled, that they are made low, and they recognize the one who can redeem their soul. Now listen to this. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. My friends, if you realize, remember what we just said in verse 3, that they're so humbled, broken, spiritually bankrupt, recognizing their own depravity, that they have nothing. What is the natural response? You mourn. You grieve. And what happens when someone mourns or grieves? They're often they're, they're to be comforted. They're to be made to be in less grief and pain. They're to be surrounded and cared for. If, if a person is in a hospital and they're sick and they have wounds, the nurses and the doctors apply antibiotics and they debreed those wounds. They provide the comfort necessary. So when one is broken, now they're comforted. Now look at what it says here. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Oh, my friends, I do not ever want you to mistake meekness for weakness. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man upon all the earth. And yet he had great power. Meekness, my friends, is power under control. But let's apply this here as well. You see, the person is sick. They realize their condition. And they're grieving over their sin. And because they've been comforted, now they're starting to become well. And so a person who is recovering, generally they're not so proud and boisterous. They're not so bold, but they're meek. They're humble. And why does it say they shall inherit the earth? 
Because it's these people who recognize that they are no better than anyone else. They're just redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And what do they do? It is those people, those followers of Christ, who have learned at the foot of Christ that they are in total need and dependence upon Him. He is the one who redeemed their soul, who washed their garments, that they'd be made as white as snow. How did He do so? But by His blood. Now, my friends, these are the people who will go out and work and labor in the fields. They're the ones who will go and labor in such a way as to bring glory to their king. Why? Because they recognize that they have put their hand to the plow and they are going to work in the kingdom, establishing the authority of God as they have been commanded to do as a disciple of Christ. Now, when someone is beginning to get well, one of the conditions in a hospital is they want to see you eat. They want to see you drink. But this is speaking spiritually. Listen, listen to this, my friends. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. My friends, when you recognize the need of Christ, what is it you are to be filled with? You're beginning to develop an appetite. And so you read the Word of God. You fellowship with His saints. You pray. You hunger and you thirst for righteousness. Well, what is that? Remember we read in Hebrews that the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of the kingdom of God. It is not our righteousness, but His and we hunger and thirst after Him and His righteousness, that we may be filled. And the reason for it, it gives us strength, it gives us energy, it gives us the ability to go and labor in the vineyards, to labor in the field, to witness. And so when you're in a hospital and you are starting to recover, they give you a balanced diet. And many people will complain about hospital food because they don't think it tastes very well. But you know what? Many people do the same thing about spiritual food. Why? Because they, don't, they have not acquired the taste. They haven't fully learned to appreciate the value of the spiritual diet. But you see, when you are getting well... And most Christians will tell you that when they first got saved, they could not get enough of the Bible. They could not get enough. But then things of the world began to come in. Oh, my friends, we must realize that we have to maintain that hungering and thirsting for righteousness that we would be made strong, be made well, be made whole. And we are promised that He will fill us. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Oh, my friends, if you've seen an individual go through something, and you've gone through the trials, don't you often ache to help them? Doesn't your heart hurt 
because they're going through something you've already been through. But now, remember the process here. You were broken, you were destitute, bankrupt. You were mourning and comforted. Right? You were fed. You were made full. And now, the difference here is this is an outward motion. Blessed are the merciful. If you are going to extend mercy, you have to do so in a way others will see it. This is the outward part. The rest has all been inward. The rest has been the internal breaking, the, the spiritual recognition and the, the healing process, and the filling with the Word of God. And now, because you are full, and you've been made well, and you've had that humility, now you show the mercy of God. And look at what happens next. This says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You see, this is talking about there is no double standard. There is no double standard. If you do something for your own motives, it's not doing it with a pure intent. When we serve Christ, we do so for His glory, for His honor, and as part of the kingdom. We do so with a pure heart. Not with ulterior motives. This is putting into action. And this is a test, my friends. This is a test. Why? Because how many times have we said, oh, well, man, they didn't even appreciate it. What does it matter? Did you do it that you would get a thank you? Did you do it that you would gain something? Did you do it for the love of God? Out of obedience to God, for the mercies of God to be shown. You see, this is the test. This is a testing point. So many of us don't do things with a pure heart. For they shall see God, it says. So there's condition. If you have that pure heart where you do things and you serve Him without an ulterior motive, you shall see God. But now, I want you to understand this next one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Oh, my friends. This has been so misinterpreted. You see, a lot of times we think of things just in the way that we perceive them based upon our cultural settings. And we think peace means i got to stop the argument. Oh, I, I, I can't let them argue. I can't let them fight. I've got to be a peacemaker. I have to stop it. Oh, if I could just be, be that person to make them stop arguing. No. There's a couple definitions for peace. One is the absence of strife, the absence of conflict. Without that, you have peace. 
The other one is to set right with. Well, my friends, if we are a peacemaker, remember, God is at enmity with those who are against him. He is not giving them high fives and hugging them if they're living in sin. If they're embracing sin and they're railing against him, he's not going, oh, it's okay, baby. Think of it this way. If we are to set a right with God, he's then at peace with them. To set people right is that witness aspect. To not waver from the truth. To not falter in the truth. Then, then you should be called the children of God. Why? Because they see the standard that God has put out. You're not wavering. You are the faithful witness. You are setting things right in the kingdom of God. You are showing them the grace and mercies of God. You are displaying the attributes of God. You are not being a pacifist. You are not running and shirking and saying, oh, please don't, please don't, please don't. What you are doing is you're standing up for the righteousness of God, just putting it on full display. Not compromising in any way, but that is setting right with. Now, I want you to notice this next one. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All my friends, for so long, people have thought, oh, I'm being persecuted because I can't put my Bible on my desk. Or I'm being persecuted because I can't have Sundays off. I'm being persecuted because nobody likes me talking about the Bible. Well, let me tell you something. The early Christians were persecuted. Our brothers and sisters in Christ are still persecuted. They're raped. They're beaten. They're burned alive. They're tortured. They're skinned alive. They're beheaded. That's persecution. The churches are burned down with them in it. That's persecution. Not someone saying, please don't talk to me about Jesus. That's not persecution. If our faith is so weak that we receive that as persecution, we have not yet resisted unto blood, as it says in Hebrews. My friends, we get our feelings hurt way too easy. Now, how about this one? Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Oh, my friends, that happens today. We call that slander. But do you rejoice because you've been picked out of a crowd for being a Christian and they're saying these things against you, coming against you? Well, I have news for you. Praise God. But here's the other news that you need to consider. They're not really coming against you. 
they're coming against the Almighty God. They're coming against your witness. They're coming against your faith. They're coming against the standards of God because it causes convictions and they hate the things of God. They despise the things of God. And praise God that you have a strong enough witness that you would be seen for that. Rejoice in that fact. The Bible says, be blessed. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Oh, my friends, that is the message that Christ gave on the Sermon on the Mount. No platitudes. No vain imaginations. Just the Word of God. And so it is that we try and have here at Christ Covenant Church. We want you to know that you are invited. Not today, but next Sunday, we will be open to the public. I want to encourage you to come on down. Our service time starts at 10.30. Our Sunday school is at 9. We want to see you. We want to link arms with you in the working of the kingdom of God. We want you to know that you are valuable in His service. Here at Christ Covenant Church, we will never deviate from the Word of God. We will never deviate off the path of righteousness. Solo Scriptura, Scripture only. That's what we preach from. Yes, we use the old King James, but it's because there is such great depth in the coloring of the words. Oh, my friends, check us out on ChristCovenantMcCallan.org. Check us out on Facebook. There we have both on Facebook and on our website links that you can donate to this ministry that we can keep the gospel message going out. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to encourage you. Would you send us an email and allow us to pray for you? Will you allow us to be of service in the kingdom of God for you? I hope and I pray that this message has been edifying for you, that it has been one of encouragement, one of education, and more than anything, a blessing. Again, thank you for tuning in to Driven to the Cross radio broadcast with Dr. Alfred Fisher. I'm the senior pastor here at Christ Covenant Church in McAllen, Texas. We're located at 1320 West Nolana Avenue. Come out and see us. We'd love to shake your hand and be a blessing to you. God bless you. May he keep you always.